Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work. Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merrick. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome, amazing, fantastic, beautiful discussions from fans just like you. Man, so many adjectives. I feel like I don't give them enough credit sometimes. I got to really like, I want to build people up. Yeah, yeah, that's good. No, I, yeah. like, I support that. Uh, as long as it's not adverbs, you won't rub anyone the wrong way. Apparently, adverbs are uh, kind of come back someday, but not yet. Are you making adverb jokes? I can't even tell. Is that an adverb joke? That's just a real joke. Making adverb jokes. To be make honest. an adverb joke. I will make a joke gladly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to avoid... <sighs> all the pitfalls in my NaNoWriMo, which is against the spirit of NaNoWriMo. You're not supposed to think, you're just supposed to write and then fix it all later. How's it uh, going? It's going really well. I'm 40,000, 41,000 words in. So you're right on track. You're ahead of schedule. I'm ahead of schedule. And yeah. I've got pretty much all the events that I want to happen in the rest of the story mapped out with a few blanks here and there that I still need to fill in. Mm -hmm. uh, now, right now, it's just a matter of finding enough time to to do it all. I don't know that I'll finish the story in 50,000 words, which is the second time. The last year was the first time I didn't finish the story in 50,000 words. So this this would this would be the second time if it, that happens. I did not um I did not ever finish my NaNoWriMo that got to 50,000 words and then I just never I just stopped writing it. It's never too late to go back to it. <laughs> oh, it is. It's still there. It still works. It's, it's somewhere. That's a very good question. You, know, you don't know what folder it is. <laughs> it's somewhere. Yeah, it's definitely somewhere. Well, that could be a problem, I suppose. But. I guess NaNoWriMo, the website has it because you have to upload it, right? Yeah, but I don't think they keep it. I think they just do the word count. Okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah. That seems reasonable for them to not do. Uh, what are you drinking? I'm having lemon water. Por qué? Because my doctor said, you need to boost your alkalinity and you can do it by buying really heavy and expensive mineral water or just mm. squeeze a lemon in your water. And I said, I'll take door number two. I thought, wait, what kind of water? Lemon. <laughs> no. <laughs> mineral, what was mineral the, water. Mineral, mineral. Yeah. I thought mineral was basic. Yes. And alkalinity is basic. I think oh. I sense your confusion because but lemon lemons are acidic. Acid. But apparently... When you ingest lemon, it your body converts it to an alkaline. I am confused. You're right. I, you know what? This is one where I just trust the doctors. I'm like, it's, it's not going to hurt me, right? Okay. It's peer reviewed. Great. I'll do it. I drink lemon water pretty much every day. I just didn't think about it in that way. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. 
Well, and it's, you know, it's going to give me a little vitamin C and all that too. So prevent the scurvy. Right. I will not get scurvy on this voyage. There you go. Yeah. I'm drinking beer. I'm drinking. I am. I'm drinking a uh, Lagunitas uh, Super Cluster Ale. Is that an IPA? It's, um, Ish. I mean, it's hoppy is what it is. Mean. It's very hot. It's super hoppy. It's a super cluster ale, but it's, a, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's super hoppy. Um, Does it I like hoppy? hoppy beer. It makes me pretty, I'm pretty hoppy right now. <laughs> Feeling pretty hoppy. Um, so on that note, let's jump into the quick burns. Tomahome, uh, pointed out that NK Jemison is writing a green lantern murder mystery comic book. That's awesome. Those are so many words that I enjoy. None of them are Green Lantern, but that's fine. Uh, Murder <laughs> Mystery and N.K. Jemison, though. Comic book. I'm I'm in for all those. That is super fascinating. All right. So it's called Far Sector. And it's over on Goodreads already, so you can go check it out. Um, all right. So let's. I'm going to read this description here. Mm-hmm. For the past six months, newly chosen Green Lantern... So, so how do you Sojourner. say that name? Sojourner Joe Mullen has been protecting the city, enduring a massive metropolis of 20 billion people. The city has maintained peace for over 500 years by stripping its citizens of their ability to feel. Oh. As a result, violent, cli- uh, vi- violent, violent crimes are virtually <laughs> violent crime is virtually unheard of, and murder is non-existent. But that's all about to change in this new maxi series that gives a DC young animal spin to the legacy of the Green Lanterns. All right, I'm, I'm more into the Green Lantern part of it now that I've heard that. Uh, that's pretty cool. And what's I have a little, but I don't, I don't talk about this much, but this time I drank like half of this beer already before the show. <laughs> oh no. I have a little bit of a buzz. <laughs> so pronunciations beware. It's going to be one of those pronunciations nights. on this episode of sword and laser. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So that's uh, exciting. Maxi series. I guess that just means it's not a full series, but it's bigger than a mini series. Yeah, sure. Although maxi series could mean it's bigger than any series ever. It's like bi-weekly. It's Which way does it go? the maximum a series could ever be. Is it twice a month or twice a week? It's twice a day. It's a maxi series. <laughs> Mark says, the future issue of New York Magazine is out with articles like, it's 2029. It, um, not it's. In 2029, it'll be harder to write science fiction because we'll be living it by James Glick. And... The weirdness is coming. A glimpse of the near future as seen through the recent past. I have quibbles with the James Glick title. I haven't re- read either one of these, so I can't really say. I uh, admire James Glick. I read his uh, books on chaos theory. Chaos theory? Right? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, back in the 90s. Uh, super great science writer and physicist. Uh, but it'll be harder to write science fiction because we'll be living it. That's like, well, silly. No, yeah. we'll, we'll just come up with new things based on what we're living. I'm sure James Glick has a better point than that. Is what yeah, like we're to. still writing. I know there's probably, it feels very clickbaity. Yeah. Um, a little bit. But here's some of the other titles. By 2029, a hyperloop could turn Columbus, Ohio into a suburb of Chicago. I'm intrigued but skeptical by Justin Davidson. The future of food. What will dinner look like in 2029? Ten chefs cook their vision of the future by Alan Sistema. Why do you have such hard names? What life in 2019 can tell us about life in 2029? A calendar of predictions about the near future as seen through the recent past by the editors. 
<laughs> but what an odd name. The editors. In 2029, I will worry about the wind. Okay. I like in Heather 2029. In 2029, <laughs> I'll regret all my hand wringing over social media. Mm. In 2029, I will grow a new part of me. Cyrus Grace Dunham daydreams about a new body. These do sound interesting. They And they go on and on and on. There's yeah, a lot. But the, we have another submission from Mark, too. Uh, neither one of these are, are actually news so much as they are just like pointing to really interesting in-depth articles. For instance, the disappearance of John M. Ford. Not John Ford, the director. <laughs> this is Not John. John Ford, who I went to college with. No, not John Ford, probably a descendant of Henry Ford. But this is John M. Ford, who is an, a writer. Uh, and the article on Slate is all about a person trying to find out what happened to John M. Ford's books because they wanted to go read one and they were all out of print. And the ones that were available, unlike most out of print books that you can get for like 99 cents pocket paperback, his pocket paperbacks were $200. And so the author of the Slate article wanted to find out what was up with that. Uh, Mark says, my introduction to Ford's work was through his Star Trek novels. I didn't know mm-hmm. much about him, but I'd like to read more of his work. And if you're not familiar with him, he was a contemporary of a lot of writers you know, like Neil Gaiman and and Robert Jordan. Um, so I have heard his name before. I haven't read anything by him. So this article looks really interesting. I'm excited to 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 figure out the mystery, yeah, or the story rather. Uh, we will have links as we always do in our show notes at SwordandLaser.com. Dara says William Gibson's The Peripheral is getting the small screen treatment. Amazon has given a series order for the TV adaptation. Via Variety, the one-hour drama hails from writer, executive producer, and showrunner Scott B. Smith. Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy will also executive produce under their Kilter Films banner. They did um, Westworld? Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, did they do Westworld? That's cool. I'm pretty sure they did Westworld. Um... With There's the pair a quick having way signed, to find out. yes, uh, you do that while I finish reading this. With the pair having signed a massive overall deal at Amazon earlier this year, Vincenzo Natali will direct and executive produce. With Athena Wickham of Kilger Films and Stephen Hoban also executive producing, Amazon and Warner Brothers Television will produce. The series centers on. Flynn Fisher, a woman trying to hold together the pieces of a broken family in a forgotten corner of tomorrow's America. Flynn is smart, ambitious, and doomed. She has no future until the future comes calling for her. Hi, this is the future. <laughs> is this Flynn? Is this Flynn? Do you remember? We went to college together. You know, if the future called for me, my phone would probably call it scam likely, and then I would never answer. I lost um I lost my reservation for a massage appointment after my big conference at Max for work. I, I scheduled myself a really nice massage because I had worked so hard and I was so tired. And uh, they called me to confirm, mm-hmm. and Apple blocked the call because they weren't in my contacts list, and they gave the reservation to someone else. So they didn't leave a message. I didn't. That happens. So I get so many messages from uh, spam numbers I that I hardly ever look at them anymore. I yeah. was like, why didn't you text me? Uh, <sighs> Westworld is bad robot. I should have known that. No, but okay. But they've, they've produced something that we've all watched recently. The science fiction Western series from Jonathan Nolan and Lisa joy was inspired by Michael Crichton's Westworld 1973. So, That's, so yeah, yeah, it was Westworld. Okay. It wasn't kilter films. That's what I was. I was looking for their names. Yeah, yeah. They are showrunners. It looks like. They are also married, I believe. Well, it doesn't say that here. 
So I could be wrong. So don't believe me. Anyway. Dara says The Guardian has a feature on the behind the scenes action of recording an audiobook. Uh, oh, cool. Those, uh, we do, here's a link. We will put it in our show notes for your further reading enjoyment. Uh, but yeah, this, this looks like it's pretty interesting as well. And Trike says, even though it hasn't started filming yet, Amazon has already renewed their Lord of the Rings series for a second season. Now, this sounds crazy, right? But we're going we're gonna to get tired of this because now that we're not in a world where shows live and die by the ratings and mm-hmm. you know we have mid-season replacements because the show isn't popular in the ratings, we're seeing streaming services do this a lot. Basically, they're looking at how well the production is going in the early on, even in this case before filming, and saying, yeah, okay, let's go ahead and and schedule the second season. So Mm -hmm. it's not the same kind of renewal of – we think of renewal as meaning – Oh, it's doing really well. And so when they renew before the season even comes out, it seems weird. Like, how can you know if it's doing really well? But it's not being based on that. It's more about scheduling and budgeting. So a lot of these streaming services are saying, well, we definitely want three seasons of this. We'll we'll give you a green light for the first season. And then we'll, you know, see how financial arrangements come together. And then at a certain mm-hmm. point, they'll say, oh, okay, here's how it's going to schedule out. So let's go ahead and green light the second season now that we know. It's more of a logistical decision in a lot of these cases, I think. And in case you're curious, according to the Variety article, little is known about the plot of the Lord of the Rings series beyond the fact that it will explore new storylines preceding J.R.R. Tolkien's The Fellowship of the Ring. The show's official Twitter account sent out an image of a map along with the two messages, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them, in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie, as well as welcome to the Second Age. In the Tolkien mythology, the Second Age was the time in which the rings of power, including Sauron's one ring, came into existence. Yeah, remember we talked about that uh, previously. If folks want to page back, I'm not remember which episode, but we uh, we talked about all those Second Age clues and what that could mean, which characters might come up. So uh, it's good to know that that they're committed to this. It's uh, it, I'm 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 still very hopeful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark wanted to point out it's WorldCon time again. Supporting memberships are seventy five dollars New Zealand. That's only forty eight dollars US. Seems like a bargain. Should we go? <laughs> oh wait, forty-eight dollars doesn't include the travel. No. Oh, okay. That's a good point. I should think about that first. Then. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I. Uh, I don't think I can commit yet. It's, it's too early. soon. Uh, July 29th through August second, twenty twenty. I'm sure there are people in our audience who are like, "Not too early for me to commit. I'm in." Do um, it. Yeah. So go check it out at conzealand.nz or NZ if you're in New Zealand, slash registrations. Mark also says all the freelance writers who worked on Barnes and Noble blogs, including the science fiction and fantasy blog, have been let go. Yeah, sad news. I mean, this definitely happens, and uh, happening at Barnes and Noble isn't a shocker. It's uh, not a great sign for Barnes and Noble, I suppose, that it doesn't want to continue to populate its site with its own content. But then... Amazon doesn't do that either. So maybe they're yeah. just slimming down, getting efficient. Uh, I didn't Aiden really from read a lot of the Barnes and Noble blogs, did you? I didn't, but I love Aiden over at A Dribble of Ink and he wrote for the sci-fi blog. So I'm I'm sad for him and all the other authors Certainly. and writers who are involved with that. Um, hopefully they will find other homes. Uh, that's that's a bummer. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I would, uh, I didn't read, like I said, I didn't read Barnes and Noble blogs often, but I did come across, uh, postings from time to time. We even used them in the show. Uh, they had some good stuff mm-hmm. right there. So sad, sad to hear. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And we had a tweet from Forever Ben 85 who said, at Sword and Laser, I'm going to complete my challenge. I know there is a 52 challenge, but for 2020, I think I'm going to double up and go for 24. Wait, what? Yeah, so you, instead oh, of one a month, two a month. Two a month. Do you both set your own reading challenges? And do you, you must, factor in Sword and Laser picks? Um, I like the hashtags he used, by the way. Hashtag reading community. Hashtag Belmont and the merits. <laughs> um, I set, I usually set my uh, reading uh, challenge over on Goodreads to at least 24. Um, I am concerned this year that I'm going to fall short. Mm. Uh, I am having trouble keeping up with everything. Um, so I'm hoping that I can make up some time over the holiday. But let me see. I'm going to check to see how I'm doing right now, actually. You know what they Do you say? Know- Life is what happens when you're not reading a book. Is that really what they no, say? They That's say really life depressing. Is, life is what happens when you're making other plans. Is- oh, okay. I am at 19 right now. I set myself for 30, which is not going to happen. It's stretch goal. Ambitious. You know, got to push yourself. Can I change my challenge? Can I change I put know. it back can to 24? You? I think you can, which seems unfair. Yeah, you can totally edit it. I'm definitely not going to make that. I'm going to switch it to 24 and hope for the best. Moving the goalposts. I like it. Um, Uh, Just being, you know, realistic. I think I may have set the challenge on Sword and Laser to 12, knowing, well, I'm definitely reading 12. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because we're doing one Sword and Laser pick a day or a month. Um, But I'm not really into the challenge thing. Why? I just, I don't want that kind of pressure on me to read a book. I want to enjoy a book and I'm a slow reader. So I don't, I, it, it, it actually doesn't work for me. It makes me anxious. It makes me nervous to be like, oh my God, I gotta pay. I gotta speed through this book so I can meet my challenge. That's no fun for me. I just want to, I just want to read and enjoy it. That's, that's, that's a great point. I I like to push myself a little bit. Yeah. I like, I like to have that little, you know, extra added push to like make myself go the extra mile. Um, but this time just wasn't enough. (laughs) It wasn't enough. Yeah. I mean, I barely can read more than 12 books a year mm-hmm. simply because I, I read so slow. Audiobooks have changed that for me because I can now budget time and be like, all right, I'm definitely getting this audiobook done because I know exactly how much time it takes. Is uh, our, I know our pick for this month is available on Audible. Maybe I yeah. should try I mean, to I, do I, some. I did it. I did it on Audible myself. You did? Yeah. You finished? Good. I liked it. Yeah. I just finished today. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm going to do that. And that'll, I think that'll help me. Um, but more on that in the future. Uh, we got, uh, f- um, the, uh, who? oh, I linked to your Twitter. I was going to say, uh, you linked to me, post. so I don't know who posted this. I'm looking, I'm looking, uh, someone, read the thing and I'll find the person. Someone posted. Always it's from great. Helen. It's from Helen. Oh, thank you, Helen. Helen posted always great when the fabulous sword and laser folks are heard on other podcasts. I like great job. Ace detect on the most recent reading glasses podcast. Yeah. I, uh, I had the pleasure of being a returning guest. I was very honored uh, to be on Reading Glasses with Brie Grant and Mallory O'Mara uh, talking about NaNoWriMo. Uh, and, nice. and And I've been uh, also giving them weekly like 30-second updates about my NaNoWriMo that they've been uh, rolling in with a couple oh, other people doing the same thing with. It's It's been super fun. 
Nice. That's fun. Oh, I didn't know you were doing that. What a great idea. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great. And I love their show. They're, if if mm-hmm. you haven't checked out Reading Glasses podcast, you absolutely must. Uh, Richard Marpole says, hey, at Sam Sykes, I was listening to your interview on Sword and Laser. You said that you love fight scenes, but that you're getting bored of explicit violence. Why not write a sword and sorcery story where all the fight scenes are replaced with non-lethal dance fights? Did Sam reply? I don't think he did. I don't think he did. He didn't have time. Or he was like, damn it, they've discovered my next book plot. They were like, that's a great idea. I can't I can't admit that I've seen it because then I'll <laughs> yeah, have to I'll, give them credit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so look for that coming soon from Sam Sykes. Uh, finally, Mark Fabian in Cologne, Germany wrote, hi, guys, you did it. So voices out of my computer made me do it. Sounded suspiciously like yours. I reread the complete Dresden files within two weeks. Twas fun and necessary. If and when the new volume <laughs> arrives next year, I'll be able to enjoy it. Otherwise, in all probability, I wouldn't have the foggiest what he's writing about. Yeah, this this is this is my conundrum. Mm-hmm. This is I think what I've talked about on previous episodes, which is that I loved the Dresden files. I read most of them, I think, up until a certain point, and then I had like a 10-year gap where I like didn't read them at all. And then new books kept coming out. And then I had no idea what the heck was going on in the story. And I completely lost my place. And then I think, as I mentioned on the show, I was like, I should reread all of them. Hasn't happened, but I'm glad someone did. That's it. Yeah. Um, I have read a Dresden Files book without knowing the previous ones, but I'm sure I missed stuff. And I had watched the TV series, so I was familiar with a lot of the characters mm, mm-hmm. who they were. Um, so I don't know. Your mileage may vary. Good job. Uh, Mark in Cologne. Nice. All right. Well, let's, let's chat about the book. Uh, we are not wrapping up tonight, so we're going to be pretty spoilery free. Uh, so no, no concerns. If you're not finished, uh, I am not finished. I'm only about 40% of the way through. I've got some catching up to do. Is that, just because you were the superstar at Adobe Max, or is it? Uh, are you not enjoying the book as much, or is it a combination? What what's going on there? Um, it started out that Max was just very hectic, uh, but I was reading it while I was at Max. The problem is, I just get home and I pass out. <laughs> like I just pass out, okay. dude. Like I I cannot find the time to even read because I get like two pages in and I just fall right asleep. Mm-hmm. And, and so and this isn't, it would be one thing if the book was so good that even though you just want to pass out, you keep reading it. Right. And that's not a slam on the snow queen that it isn't like that. That would take like a super exceptional book uh, yeah. to do that. Um, I, I like the book, but like, I'm trying to think of what a good comparison would be. Um, if we were reading like, what's that one that I liked recently? <laughs> Michael know. J. Sullivan. Okay. Sure. Um, if we were reading those, for example, like I made time to read those. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. There, there are definitely books. It's involuntary. It's not a mm-hmm. conscious decision where mm-hmm. I think outside of my normal reading times. Ooh, I think I want to read that right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Then there are books, and The Snow Queen is one of these for me, where when it's time for me to pick it up and read it, I think, oh, cool. It's it's my reading time. I'm going to check in with what The Snow Queen's going on. And then there are books. And there have been a few of them where I think, hmm. oh, I guess I have to read that because we need to finish it. 
so, I mean, you know, there, there are subtle variations in between those three very broad categories. Uh, but Snow Queen is like that for me. I'm not really thinking about it when I'm not reading it. Uh, but when I read it, I enjoy it. I, I like the world that Joan Vinge created. I I like the the characters and the arc. Uh, I'm really fascinated with with Tiamat and and how it works. I think there's some really cool stuff in your reading. Has everything taken place like on Tiamat? No. Okay. So I feel like that's when the book really picked up for me. And I won't say anything mm-hmm. more than that. Uh, but, but I feel like it's, it's not slow going at the beginning, but you know, your world is a little narrower at first. Uh, and then, you know, once, once people start moving around and going other places, then, uh, yeah, it gets, uh, it, it gets more interesting for me. Uh, on that note, I do want to, I, I, I laid out a couple of discussion topics that I want to talk about. I would like to reverse them okay, because I think that will help me. Mm-hmm. Um, get through the second topic. <laughs> like, so, for instance, when I said Tiamat, uh, I knew that because I listened to the audiobook. but let's say you're Dominic. You knew that because you came across a handy guide while leafing through a very old and beat up copy of the snow queen. And since, <laughs> uh, uh, Dominic didn't know if it was in newer editions and did know how much our hosts appreciate pronunciations, <laughs> uh, shared it with us on the forum. Thank you so much, Dominic. That's great. Yeah, this is good. So let's let's go through these. So Tiamat, I, I had I had that one down. I, I'm as I mentioned, I'm I'm reading the book uh, with my eyeballs, not reading it with my ear holes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I some of the pronunciation was a little bit up in the air. So Aryan Road, no idea. So that's how you say that Aryan Road. I'm gonna have the opposite reactions and look at the spellings because this is mm-hmm. the first time I'm seeing them. I thought it was with a T at the end. Aryan Road. Arian uh, wrote, but it's, Arian, it's wrote. Arian road. Okay. Arian road. All right. Gaia, Jerusha, Palathion, Palathion, Gaia, yeah. Jerusha, Palathion. I mean, Jerusha is what they almost Jerusha. always refer. Yeah. They say as. Jerusha. Yeah. So, so that one Palathion, in fact, a couple of times they started referring to Palathion, like someone would call her Palathion. And I was like, who, who are they? Oh, that's Jerusha. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it took me a minute to catch on. I do enjoy the like camel case that comes up in the book mm-hmm. that that happens a lot. Yeah. Or that's a pretty intercap. common, yeah. is it intercap or camel case? Both What's the difference? Yes. Oh, all right. No. Um, okay. Gundalino. 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 Yeah. It looks about how I thought it would be spelled with the H in the middle. That makes sense. Karamoth. Kara. Karamoth. Karamoth. Okay. And then Karamagi. I think because I hear Magi? Karamagi so much Karamagi? more often. Wait, doesn't I think in the audiobook she might say Karamagi. Karamagi. Yeah, that's how it looks in this pronunciation it's Karamagi guide. Karamagi in the pronunciation guide, though. Oh, it would be Karamagi. Mm-hmm. But, but Karamoff is about right. Yeah. And then Danakilu. Danakilu. Danakil Lou. Danakil Lou. Danakil Lou. I thought that was Danakil all one word. Danakil Lou. <laughs> Danakil Lou. Danakil Lou. And Janet. And Janet. Janet Miroway. And Janet Miroway. And Janet is how they Ang-Genet. say it in the book. But you're right. It looks like Eng. Well, no, Eng. It's not a J. Eng. And Janet Miroway. Janet Miroway. And actually, Miroway. I think in the audiobook, it's more like. Get it. 
Gennet. Like not even Gennet. much of a second syllable there. Okay. Persephone? Yeah, I thought it was just Persephone. Yeah, I thought it was Persephone too. Yeah. Okay. Elsevier. Elsevier. Yeah. That that sounds, that tracks right. Elsevier, and that's exactly how I imagined Elsevier. it being spelled. Elsevier. V-I-E-R. Luskid. I don't remember Luskid. That's the um the other chief of police. That's the chief of police who. Oh was, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Had a situation. Mm, mm-hmm. Sandy, I haven't met that person yet. I don't think. Mm. Mantagnes, Mantagnes. Yeah, that looks Mantagnes. right. Mantagnes. I haven't met this person yet. Oyarzabal. Yeah, Oyarzabal. Oyarzabal. Oyar. Oyar. Oyarzabal. Oyar. Oyarzabal. I think it's Oyarzabal. That's Tear a bad party. pronunciation guide because that could be R or air. Yeah. Tarid row. Tarid row. Tarid row. Tear party and tarid. Tear party. And tarid row. Okay. Okay. Tarid row. Tarid row. And then Trike, Trike has the, uh, the updated pronunciation <laughs> guide. Tiamat. Jeff. Aaronrod, Jaff, Jerusha, Jeffity, Jeff Jeffers, Karamu, <laughs> Jiff, Karamaki, Jiffy. I'm going to use these from now on. Jaffy Lou, Jeff Jr., Mama Jeff, Cousin Jeef, Joff, Jeff, Cousin Jeff, Cousin Jaff, Cousin Joff, and Steve. Uh, and apparently Desi Dave says the pronunciation guide is in the Kindle version as well. Uh, I think he means the printed one, not uh, trikes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I may prefer trikes, to be honest. Uh, fun stuff. Okay, so now we can move on to the colonialism okay. <laughs> thread, which uses some of the words. Uh, John Taloni says, colonialism seems to be one of the themes of the book. The hegem- hegemony, the hegemony keeps a monopoly on technology, only allowing it during the winter period when Tiamat's sons are relatively cool. I'm not sure I can find any real world examples though. And now this is under a spoiler tag, though I did not really see anything in here that felt spoilery to me for at least halfway through the book. Do you want to give it a glancey? Yeah. Let's just say that there is a society described as precise and good with technology. And that made John think of a German stereotype and Mm -hmm. that Tiamat, seemed kind of similar to the Irish because, uh, well, in the, in the, in the Summerland, Scot- they use some- Scottish accents in the, uh, Ottawa, but <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, pointed out that one population wears heavy cover up kind of like a Muslim influence, uh, or a caste system. Uh, police commissioner is referenced drinking tea, which is kind of a <laughs> British colonial thing. Uh, I'm just wondering, uh, if there's, if if this is really based on the colonial aspect uh, of of our own world history, and I actually kind of uh, agree with uh, with Buzz. Uh, Buzz wrote, "Just finished the book, and I don't think colonialism was really meant to be a main plot point, or or." Parallel to any historical references, neither the interview with the author or the reading group questions at the end of the book seem to mention it. Um, but I think it's probably a subtle borrowing from our culture. Like, oh, there, these are colonial relations in some respect, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just at the other end. So I think what she did was, instead of making parallels, turned everything upside down. 
and said, okay, what mm. if the empire has ended and crumbled apart? What leftover bits of colonialism will still be there because this was once a multiple world spanning galactic empire? Uh, and then, yeah, mm. you know, mm-hmm. having people drink tea isn't, you know, it's not like the British were the only ones to drink tea, uh, but but it is sort of a an indication of a refinement, right? Mm. Well, you don't you don't have the working class drinking tea usually. It's 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 generally the middle class or the upper class. So I definitely got shades. Uh, yeah, I agree. I definitely uh, would like Tazzy Dave. I, I had shades of colonialism and was thinking about that throughout mm. the book that I've read so far, for sure. Um, I didn't really see any. I, I I definitely felt the caste system references, but just because they call out the caste system uh, on that world pretty explicitly. Yeah. And so that that did draw some parallels. But overall, I didn't get a strong connection to real world or earthern colonialism. I think, um, it's, I think it's smushed around because you can call it a caste system if you're comparing it to India. But uh-huh. It could also just be a social system that is similar to China. Uh, ancient China particularly had had very clear like you were a ser- once you were a servant you were a servant and you didn't stop being a servant unless someone mm-hmm. like you know sort of broke the bent the rules for you and elevated you somehow if you were a guard you were a guard if you were a farmer you were a farmer and that, I, that's true of a lot of societies throughout history so this is spoilery but not for the plot of the book it's just mm-hmm. a thing that happens in the book so i feel like it's it's not relevant to the storyline as far as I can tell. Um, but I found it kind of interesting and cool the way that you get elevated out of your lower caste into upper higher caste is that if someone in a higher caste speaks to you and acknowledges you, mm-hmm. you are elevated right. and they bring I shame forgot. onto themselves. For the, hmm, I, that would be spoilery to say too much on it, but I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah, and to me that was like, oh dang, because like people are freaking out, and and the characters are like, what what's going on? Like, why is this happening? Why is this such <laughs> is a big ready? deal? It actually reminded me of uh, watching British Parliament on TV when I was mm-hmm. a kid, and everyone was just yelling, and we don't do that in Congress. So I was like, what happened? What happened? And people are like, nothing. That's just what they do there. <laughs> yeah, but this is interesting because <laughs> they here, were yelling and yeah. yelling, but they have to have like a middleman to talk to because they can't speak directly to each other because that violates the caste system. But then the uh, the higher caste person accidentally says something directly to the lower caste person, thus elevating the lower caste person into a higher status. And that definitely reminds me of multiple cultures, uh, especially ancient cultures, ways of doing things. If anything, it's not just the colonial aspects, like the British colonial aspect, which is definitely in there, but it's also just pulling out like, dictatorship features, how Mm. you keep populations in line, whether it's uh, in the Persian empire or Chinese empire uh, or Russian empire. Like there's so many historical uh, elements like flavors uh, that, that are persistent in these, in these different societies. And yet Mm -hmm. I think the world on Tiamat with the summers and the, and the winters is fairly unique. I mean, it's definitely got elements that are, that are pulled because these, these are humans, but I, I can't say that there's a direct parallel to what happens on Tiamat. That, that, that feels like something totally new. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. All right. Well, we will wrap this up on December 4th. 
and then kick off the next uh, if and kick patron, off the next book. Keep an eye out on the Patreon for the book briefing. That'll let us know what we'll be reading next month. Yeah, I got to get on that. We got to make some decisions. I got to make some decisions. I got to pick something new. Something short. December. Something short. <laughs> well, because it's holidays, you know. Yeah. All right. Something short. Something fantasy and something short. I think I can make that happen. Do you want something new? Do you want something old? What are you feeling, Tom Merritt? Well, you've picked a lot of new stuff. So I'm always looking at the balance effect. I think it was a mm-hmm. Tessie Dave that did the table for us one time mm-hmm. a few years ago. I love mm-hmm. that. Where it's like, here's how many of each decade. Here's male versus female. Here, like I loved that. So I'm always looking for like, okay, what haven't we done in a while? Uh, so, okay. Yeah, something, something different. Something maybe a little on the classic side. Though this is kind of on the classic side. This was sci-fi, though. So sci-fi. So you want another old to back up another I don't old? Think we've done an older fantasy in a while. Mm. Someone out there is like, "Well, actually, Tom." <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'll I'm figure like, it out. Are your glasses slipping? Yeah, that's, that's what just happened. All right. Well, that's that's an episode. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. Thank you for reading along with us. Uh, and thank you to all the folks who back our show via our Patreon. Uh, you can learn more about how to do that over at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, also don't forget that you can help us out by buying books through our links. We have links to the pick of the month, but also lots of other things that are mentioned in the show. It's like a virtual sword and laser bookstore over there at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.